Welcome to season three of Arise Esther, a podcast for today's women of faith. I'm your host, Dawn Damon, and I get to speak to some of the most resilient women alive who, like Esther of old, step up with courage to face trials head on and triumph. Now we're here to help you do the same. So turn it up, Esther. This is your moment. Welcome, everyone. This is Arise Esther, and I'm your host today, Dawn Scott Damon. I have a wonderful, amazing, and an award-winning author as my guest today. She is indeed this year's recipient of the Golden Scroll Award for Book of the Year. You're going to hear more about that. She is a popular conference and retreat speaker. She holds an MA in biblical studies. She's the managing editor also for Arise Daily. It's a devotional and a member of the preaching team at New Hope Chapel. I want you to welcome my guest today, Julie Coleman. Hey, Julie. Hi, Dawn. Congratulations. Your book, I got to hold it up because I have my own copy of on Purpose, Understanding God's Freedom for Women Through Scriptures by Kriegel Publications. Congratulations on your win. How exciting is that? Uh, more than I ever expected. So yes, very exciting. <laughs> I know it was more than you expected because I was actually there at the award banquet, had the privilege of being the MC who announced your win, and you were shocked. You, We almost had to pick you up and carry you up there. <laughs> Yeah, I thought I was about to fall off my chair. I just, you know, God is good. <laughs> God is good. And, and I don't know if you can remember, because sometimes those moments are very surreal. But the crowd, I think there was a standing ovation. So many people are resonating with the message of this book and so thankful that you had the courage. You're a brave servant of God. Like we said, you tackled this subject and the crowd just went crazy. What have you found since writing this book? What kind of responses are you getting? I've had uh, one negative response from one of my fellow seminarians since, since the book came out and that's it. I mean, all my reviews on Amazon have been five stars from people I don't know. You know, it's, it's really been encouraging. And I think it's because I don't really, it's not really about me and what I think it's, the book is about what scripture really has to say. And it's a deep dive into those passages that are often used to limit women in the church and in the home and in the workplace. And so uh, it's really important. It's truth and it, it, it needs to be out there. So as scared as I was of the haters, which will eventually come, I'm sure. Um, I, I just, I just know it, it was the thing to do. The Lord led it. And, and I know it was his, his prodding that had me write the book. Yes. You and I and Dina Dyer did a three-part series on women in ministry, and I'm going to note that episode in the show notes. So we do a deep dive there together as well. I want to talk more about what led you to write this book. What? How, how did you start to feel the nudge from God that this was something you're supposed to do? So it was probably 30 years in coming. Um, I was raised in a very uh, traditional, one more, uh, I should say conservative, very conservative church. And uh, we wore head coverings and women were not allowed to be vocal and not even pray out loud during any meetings. And even the business meeting, which wasn't an official, you know, service, right. um, we were not to, to talk, but we could write notes to our husband. That was our that was our way of contributing, but we were expected to be there, you know, so, so that 
I always had that. And I thought that's what the Bible taught. And I remember even going into an argument with somebody in my first Corinthians class at Gordon College um, because she said, oh, nobody does that anymore. And I said, well, wait a minute, you know, it's in the Bible. And so, um, and I remember talking to the professor and, and, you know, the class came down on me hard. And I just said, you know, I just feel like it's what scripture teaches. He said, Julie, you just keep studying, keep asking God. He said, and, and you express what you believe. There's nothing wrong. We're all Christians. We're all uh, want to know. We all want to do what the Bible says. So, you know, just keep working at it and, and don't be afraid. And I'll never forget that meeting with him. It was wonderful. So, but yeah, since then um, I married a guy who uh, was not quite so conservative in how he thought, even though he was from my denomination. And mm -hmm. I remember we were writing our marriage vows um, it, we read them to each other a couple of weeks before the wedding. And one of my things I promised was I, I promised to obey you as head of the household. He said, oh, oh, don't put that in there. I'm like, what? It's in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, it is, but it's, it's not, I don't think it's, it's interpreted correctly. I don't think you're using the right words to interpret it. And, um, but um, I think I did end up keeping them in there. I felt so strongly about it. But, uh, but since then, I just, as, as time went on, I saw inconsistencies. I saw uh, other verses that made me wonder. And really, um, over the years, just started really second guessing all the things that I had been taught. But the real thing came was when I was in seminary. And um, I learned all the tools on how to break down a passage and examine it and and, you know, all the things you look for, good observation and uh, the, the historical background, the, the context of the, the verse or verses. And um, I learned all those things. So when I got out, I, I was still wondering, does God think of women as second class citizens? I, I ran into that at seminary because I wanted to take the class called um, Sermon Preparation. And, um, and I enrolled for it. And my advisor came to me and said, yeah, Julie, you can't take that class. I said, why? And he said, because you're a woman. I said, oh, come on. This is why I'm in seminary. I already have a speaking ministry. I want to get better. And so he went to bat for me with the um, board and they came back and said, okay, we're going to allow Julie to take the class, but we're changing the name from sermon preparation to message preparation. Oh. And apparently that made it all right. So I said, I don't care what you call it. I just want the course. <laughs> but, you know, and at, through those things, and, and the more I, I dug, I really started to think, um, he, God does not, you know, consider us second class. God wants us standing shoulder to shoulder with the men in partnership, working on the same team, uh, do, doing the work of building the kingdom of God. And so the more I thought about it, the more I studied, the more I was convinced, but I still wasn't ready to write because I was afraid, afraid of people who would come at me and, and quote Bible verses at me, like I haven't looked at them already. Right. And so I just, I was afraid, but um, the more, the more I held off, the more the Lord convicted me and, and it, through a whole bunch of different incidents and things that people said to me, I knew I needed to write the book. The biggest thing for me was I was seeing women leave the church over the treatment um, of, of the female. And so, and, and men were leaving the same reason. It was hateful and, and terrible and uh, sometimes, you know, but, but they were leaving. And not only were they leaving the church, they were walking away from God. And I thought, it, they're doing it because of an incorrect interpretation. Mm -hmm. So I've got to get it out there. And so that's why I wrote the book. Mm -hmm. 
Well, you did an amazing job on writing the book. And I also appreciate it because I am a pastor and I've been a woman in ministry and preaching for many years now, but I've experienced that. I would say it's sometimes a religious spirit that comes against the message I've had men sit in the back row with their arms crossed the entire time, just shooting daggers at me and then stomping their way to the front. As soon as I was done, I've had them get up and drag their families out and leave. So it's a real thing when you say it's a little scary to step out in this platform because people feel very strongly about it. But I also discovered it's not just men that feel strongly about it. Like you, there's a lot of women and probably some women who will be listening to this very podcast. Do you have any counsel for us? Like your teacher told you, study it and don't be afraid. Good words. What, What do you say? Well, my whole spirit of the book is, we all know what those passages say on the surface, but take another look. And especially look at the context, because the problem is people have plucked a verse from this place and a verse from this place and the verse over here. And then they group it all together and say, here's our doctrine on women. But they haven't considered the context of the original passage, where it was, what it was talking about. And so they're putting words in God's mouth because you have to know what it meant within the context. And that's my biggest, I'd say, push you know, I do the original languages and historical stuff, but I, but my biggest push is what is it? What part of the whole is it? Why is it there? And, um, and so in my book, I'm, I, I lead people through that process and show them asking questions um, is, is part of it, but I only tackle one passage at a time for each chapter. Because what happens, and I had this happen to me when I was at a writer's conference one time, this girl came over and she had heard that I was writing this book. I wasn't even published yet. And she said, I have a lot of questions about, you know, women in the Bible. And I said, well, I'd be happy to sit and talk with you. So we went and sat down with our ice cream cones. And I just started, you know, I said, just one thing. We, I only want to talk about one passage at a time because I don't want to take things out of context. I don't want to use them as, so, you know, a sword to, to cut. I said, I want to know what it meant in that first context. Okay, well, not five minutes in, she said, well, what about this first? And what about that first? And I said, say, that's what we can't do. <laughs> but people don't understand that, that it's not, it's not a topical thing. It's a passage by passage thing. And we have to be, we have to be sincere about really trying to get to what it says. And so if you haven't yet, take another look. I think you'll be surprised at what's really there and what things have actually just been brought to the passage that weren't there at all in the first place. That's such wisdom just to take it because it's not topical, it's contextual and it's passage by passage. And I think that we give permission for other topics to be passage by passage, but somehow when it comes to women in ministry, we lump that over there. For example, I believe it's in Galatians where he says there is now no Greek or Jew, you know, there's no slave or free, male or female. Well, we've given freedom to the races and we've given freedom to social class, but we still haven't given freedom to women. Right. And so passage wise, we look at each one in context and that's not just fluff, right? Some people have said to me in the past, oh, you're explaining it away. You're just ignoring what's there. When in reality, isn't it a deeper look into, like you said, context, timeframe, 
Is it a command for all time for all people? Or is it a letter addressing right. a situation? Is that right. a correct way to approach it? I think it is. I mean, you can make the Bible say anything you want if you're willing to pull verses out of context. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it, that happens all the time and, and uh, we, it's just not right. <laughs> so right. to me, you know, I, I, you know, my, my sister-in-law said to me one time, you, you just don't, you ignore those verses when she heard I was preaching on Sunday mornings. And I said, no, I don't ignore those verses. I, I mean, I've studied them significantly and I don't think they mean what they have humanly interpreted to be. And that's the problem. The Bible is the word of God. It is in Holy Spirit inspired. It is accurate. It, we can to put our lives on it. And I, I, I wish I could wear that on my forehead. I believe in the Bible and I believe what, what it says. And, and, you know, and I take what I know about God from that source. So anyway, but, but the problem is, <clears throat> is that, um, it, it's the inter human interpretation, human interpretation has the word human in it, which means right. it's open to mistakes or prejudices. We all bring stuff to the Bias. table looking at a passage. And, um, and so it's, it's, we just, we just need to take another look at what it really says. And that's what my book does. Well, I love that. And it's doing very well. Yeah. And the other part of that is that not that you were defending your call, but you have an experience of being called of God to preach. So did you need to know for yourself yes. that you had permission? Talk about that, that experience a little bit. When God called you, did you say like I did, but God, I'm a woman. Well, I've been teaching women forever, you know, retreats, special events, all that kind of thing. Yeah. But um, in 2008, um, our pastor got called to another congregation out in California and the elders decided that rather than hire an interim guy while we look for another pastor, that they would just use the gifts that's in the church. And my pastor, Gary, said, tap Julie Coleman. She's a natural for this. And so they did. And I and at first and I was still kind of like, I don't know. I don't know how this is. And I said to them, so I'm a woman. Are people going to have a hard time with that? And they said, no, you're not usurping authority. And they're talking about First Timothy 2, 12. You're not usurping authority. We're asking you to do it. I said, Oh, well, okay. But even the, the first time, and my husband was cheering me on, he was very excited about it. But um, the first time I was at the platform, we were doing a sound check, one of the elders walked by and I said, you better get farther away from the platform. You might get hit by my lightning. You know, I was just so scared that I was doing the wrong thing. So what I did was um, I was teaching Bible study in my home um, on Monday nights. And so I asked the women, do you mind if we do first Timothy this year, the whole book? because I really have to get to the bottom of that passage because I don't want to be doing something that God would not approve of me doing. Of course I wouldn't. So we studied it and we got through, you know, first, you know, we got through it. And then when we hit first Timothy two twelve, I announced it at church. I was actually speaking that Sunday. And I said, so just to let you know where we are in women's Bible study, we're covering these verses. My living room was filled to capacity People were spread out into the dining room. Everybody wanted to know, what does that verse mean? Because that's the one. That and 1 Corinthians 14, where Paul tells women to be silent in the church. Be silent. Mm -hmm. So those, you know, and so we, we dug in. We took like three weeks on one verse. I mean, we really dug in. And in the end, uh, as a group, we definitely decided it was okay for me to be preaching. 
And so that gave me a lot of freedom because I felt like, okay, I'm not disobeying God's word by doing this. And then the more I study, especially for writing this book, I'm absolutely convinced there's just no way um, it's anything but freedom for women. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> yes, and I went through that similar study when I was working towards my ordination and I didn't know why I was getting it other than following the prompting of the Holy Spirit, who was very clear in leading me to go to Bible school. And so I just closed the book when I got to that chapter. I saw the heading and it said women in ministry and what the word of God has to say. And I just closed the book and I remember laying it on my chest and I said, Lord, whatever I'm about to learn, I submit to your truth. I just want to serve you. And so then I opened it up and I began to read what I was being taught. And I was being taught that God gives freedom to women. And I just remember rejoicing and saying, oh, hallelujah. You know, I, I'm not going to have this struggle with feeling conflicted inside. I knew that I knew that God said yes. But just for people listening, and I know I'm catching you off guard with this question, but that Timothy passage is where Paul is in, he is instructing Timothy not to let a woman teach. Okay. So, okay. So in, in, you have to notice a couple of things. First mm -hmm. of all, it's in a bigger section that he's kind of addressing women after he's just addressed men. And he talks women this, women that, plural, plural, plural. And then when he gets to verse 12, he says, I don't, you know, approve of a woman or the woman mm -hmm. to teach, um, but to learn in quiet submissiveness and, and, and not you see serving authority, but to learn quiet submissiveness. But then he says, because, <clears throat> or, you know, this is why, and he lists three reasons. The first reason he talks about, and boy, I can't even, I don't know if I'm going to be able to put them in order, but he talks about um, that, uh, Adam was created first, not Eve. That's his first reason. And the second reason is that um, Eve was deceived, not Adam. And then the third one is, um, and women can be saved through childbirth. So all the, of course, that last verse is a killer. We're like, what? What does that mean? Because, you know, of course, you don't get saved when you have children. You get saved when you believe in Jesus Christ. Sorry, I'm just going to really quick get to it here. Sure, thanks. Thessalonians. Uh, for, okay, here's first up the second Timothy. I have a new Bible and the page is six. Sorry. <laughs> my other one got so ratty. My husband's like, you have to have another Bible. <laughs> I know. And I, I didn't I didn't prep you for this, but I you got yeah, it. That's fine. Spirit. No, no, yeah. I, I know a little bit about this passage. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, I in my research, um, I learned that um the Gnostics. Um, were very prevalent in Ephesus. There's, they've got coins, Gnostic coins there that they've uh, dug up. They've got, um, and there are Gnostic writings, um, which I think date to the third century AD. But, but you know, the Mishnah wasn't created, I think, till like the second or third century. And everybody knew the oral law before that. So it doesn't mean it didn't exist. It just means this is the earliest we have it written down, right? right. But anyway, um, so these Gnostics were there. And we know that for sure they were there because of, of, of historical documentation. But we also know because in Revelation, God commends the Ephesian church for not listening to the Nicolaitans. And the Nicolaitans were a Gnostic group. So it was an issue for the Ephes church in Ephesus. And when you look at the whole of 
Paul's letter, first letter to Timothy, he's talking about heretical teaching. And this kind of stuff has gotten mixed up with and, and you know, kind of assimilated with Christianity. And so Paul is, you know, they, they are absolutely different. And so Paul was very careful about separating it. And Gnosticism was an issue for, or, and heretical teaching was an issue for almost every church. I mean, it just was, it was part of it. So anyway, but we find in, in um, Gnostic, Gnostic writing is that um, they had, it's all kinds of beliefs. Um, they believed the body was evil and that the only thing that was redeemable about us was this, this spark of deity when we had been created. Okay, so, but one of the things they believed was that knowledge was a big deal for them. They believed that Eve was actually the hero of the story of the Garden of Eden because she was imparting knowledge to Adam. Oh. Another thing that they believed was that... Um, Eve was created first, and she's the mother of all mankind, including Adam. So both of those are directly against what scripture teaches. Mm -hmm. um, and they also believe that if you had children, your divine spark got dissimilated into their evil material bodies, and it was going to make it harder for those sparks to get back to the original God that, that put them in there. And so therefore, um, you know, they, they were doing a horrible thing by having children. So when you look at those three things that Paul says, here's the reasons why she shouldn't be teaching. These are all tenets of, the, of Gnosticism. And he definitely goes against all three and, and rebukes them. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden that passage made perfect sense to me because the rest of the book is about the same thing. Mm -hmm. These false teachers that have come in and they're mixing Christianity mm -hmm. and, and other things. And we've seen it in our our. Um, religious circles here in this century with the new age stuff and other things that have come in and they, they kind of try to make it sound like it's from, you know, the Bible, but they add their own little thing in there. You know, it's, it's deception. And, and so that's what Paul was talking about. So it was one woman because that goes from plural women to one woman. And then he goes back to plural women. Yeah. So it's talking about one woman who was doing this thing and he wanted her to get off the platform and listen to the real teaching and get it. And he's not saying for all time, but she needs to, you know, she needs to learn. until she understands, yes. really understands. Right. Yeah. So then the light bulb goes on when you, when you hear the truth that you just shared and you're right, like all the tumblers fall into place and it opens up and you're like, yes. that's absolutely that's what he's talking about one woman who was teaching gnosticism in a hybrid situation with the word yes. the immediate solution was she needs to be quiet and stop teaching and the long term is she needs to learn and quietness and submission like all first year students or all those that are being trained and because the rabbinical teachings how they used to toss questions back and forth and yes. all of that she needs to be quiet and learn in quietness and submission and then we can go forward from there right so yeah absolutely so that is just an amazing um powerful interpretation and i'm not explaining anything away as some might want to say i'm right. saying you got to look at the whole book 
and what that book's about and what he's rebuking and get the clues. He never says the word Gnosticism, but he gives us all the clues of what he was working against. Yep. And, um, and telling Timothy, get it out of there. That's, it's going to lead to no good. And, and, you know, and, and he, he even says at the very beginning of the book that he said, um, I urge you to remain on at Ephesus so that you would instruct certain people not to teach strange, doc- strange doctrines. Yeah. Right. Right there. It right. Is. That was his purpose for being there is exactly. to watch out what was going to go on. Yep. And so I don't know, it makes perfect sense to me. And yes. then if you combine it with first Corinthians 14, where Paul says to for women to be silent in the church, mm-hmm. again, context makes a huge difference because that whole chapter is about people doing things in the church that will benefit them and not there to build up the body. Mm-hmm. The first is people were speaking in tongues with no interpreter. They mm-hmm. got glorified for doing that exciting thing but yep. the church didn't get, get anything out of it because there was no interpreter to tell them what the message was. And then the prophets who were hogging the mic, you know what I mean? Metaphorically, <laughs> um, hogging the mic and saying, okay, I, I have this prophecy. And if somebody else received a prophecy sitting in front of him and, and, and had something to share, he wouldn't see the platform. Right. And so he's, Paul said, you know, be silent and, yeah. and, you know, and, and make it appropriate. And he also, I didn't even say that, but he told the, the, the tongue speakers be silent. be silent and then he gets to the third passage the first group and that's women who are asking questions now in greek society what that was totally appropriate if somebody was speaking you could ask a question but it was a known thing that you don't ask questions unless you know what you're talking about right we've all heard people ask stupid questions that right. you know as i was a teacher a long time ago and some kid would ask a question i'm like yeah you didn't read this book <laughs> Right. You're, right? Revealing, you're revealing to us that you don't know what you're talking right. about. Right. Yeah. You're, you're revealing right. your ignorance and you weren't to yeah. do that. You were to wait until you knew something and then you could ask questions. Well, I think that's what Paul is saying here. Go ask your husbands at home. Stop interrupting the whole um, assembly with your questions, because what you're doing is getting attention on you and taking attention away from what God had orchestrated in that meeting. And so for a while, be silent, learn from your husbands, and then when you know enough, then you can join in yeah. because everyone, and, but here's the thing, every group, Paul says, Sagao. that's a Greek word for be silent, be silent, be silent, be silent. That's men and women all mixed up in those three groups. Mm-hmm. And each one gets the same command because they're glorifying themselves instead of building up the body. And that's what our gifts are for building up the body. That's so, so beautiful. And you yeah. explain that you explain that so thoroughly because another word for be silent is more of a command. And like Jesus told the wind to be silent or whatever, the, those, those words are so much stronger as a command, like be quiet. Right. And this is not that same word. So it just allows you to understand. And I think for women, it's so freeing because I believe that we've lived under a cloud, many of us with a, a sense of second-class citizens or like God doesn't love us or how can God use us? And so half of the army of God has been silenced by this erroneous teaching. And it's so great to see the liberation that's coming from women. You have got five-star reviews. I really highly recommend the book On Purpose by Julie Coleman. Julie, before our time is is gone here, what would you say, and I think you've already said it, but to the young girl perhaps, or the woman who's feeling this call, 
but like you, and maybe like me, when we first started, there is some fear. What, what do you recommend? Sure. Well, let's remember who gives the gifts out. It's the Holy spirit. We don't choose our gifts. He gives us our gifts. Right. And so, you know, if we're called to serve in a certain way, then we need to do that. And, you know, and, and unfortunately in a lot of churches, that's, that's a limitation. You know, you can only use your gift in this way or that way. And I don't feel that scriptural at all, but I would say to young girls, don't assume that what you're being taught or what you've heard before is true. Go back and look at it again, erase everything out of your brain and just ask the Holy Spirit, please let me just get out get everything that I've already thought. I want to start this thing fresh. I want to look at this passage. I want to see what it really, really says. And the better you do that, the closer you're going to come to the truth. And so don't give up. <laughs> There's hope. I mean, even for somebody like me who wore head covering for the first 30 years of her life, <laughs> Um, there is definitely hope and, and God, God loves us and he gifted us and he delights in when we use our gifts to serve him. And so, you know, just remember that we are loved just as much as the men. <laughs> it's so beautifully said. And um, I'm so thankful that you were able to toss the head covering, but not in a rebellious way. And I think that's another part that's so important for other women that, the spirit in which you deliver this and the way that we handle ourselves as women of God, that we're not in a rebellion, we're not angry, we don't have a chip on our shoulder because then our message can't be heard either. Right. But that it's coming through this vessel that says, you know, I'm confident in my calling. I know my identity in Christ and I'm I'm sure I've made my calling sure and, and I'm at peace with what the word of God teaches. And so you go forth and to you, you know, as it is, as your faith is, be it unto you. So thank you for leading the charge, you know, going, writing the book, having the courage to write the book. And you've got a, a amazing endorsements and I really highly recommend it. Might there be a podcast in your future on women? Actually, my daughter and I were just talking about it last night. So oh. yeah, I think it will be. Yeah. Just last night. Oh, well, now that's confirmation. We'll see. There you go. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us. And thank you, Dawn, for having me. I really appreciate Absolutely. the chance to spread the message. <laughs> You're welcome. And so that leads me to my question. I leave you just like I always do. You modern day Esthers, is this your moment to arise? I hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. And hey, if you've not done so yet, why don't you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss another episode. Or you can visit us at AriseEster.com. And while you're there, make sure you join the movement. Visit us today to get connected. For more information about me, Dawn Damon, visit DawnDamon.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for a free breakthrough strategy session. Until we meet again, keep rising. This is your moment. <laughs>